Good morning, Parkway Church. How are we doing? Good. So glad you guys are here with us, whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree. We are so glad you're here, and we're so glad you don't have the flu. Yay, yay, yay. And Parkway Online, those with the fever, those with the sniffles, those with the difficulty breathing, we are so glad you did not come today. We're glad you're online with us, and we hope that we all together have a phenomenal experience as we continue walking through the Bible together. Our plan this year is simple. We're going to open our Bibles and walk through it. We're going to get to know the major characters. We're going to get to know the storyline. We're going to get to see some theological threads that are woven throughout Scripture. And whether you've never read the Bible before or you are a Bible scholar, my hope is that you will take your next step in your journey for some of you, are going to learn these stories for the first time. You're like, wow, this God is awesome that we follow. And you're right. And some of us who have studied it before, read it before, and think we know the story, God's going to impress upon us how we can love him and love people by applying the message of Scripture again and again and again afresh to our lives. So I am so glad you're here. We began this series two weeks ago with a look at how God created the world. And in six days, God created everything that we know and see and experience here on earth. He created mankind on day six. He created us in his image. And we learned in week one that our God is eternal, our God is all-powerful, and our God is ever-present. And that when he looked down on creation on day six, before he rested on day seven, he looked at creation, including Adam and Eve, mankind, and said, it is very good. And I encouraged you to look at the God of creation, our all-powerful, eternal, ever-present God. And then last week, we looked at the story of Noah and the ark. And that's a kid's story with a real adult theme. That's a kid's story with an adult message. So we learned in week one that God created and then in week two, we see God's correction. Adam and Eve in the garden, just after God said it was very good, they chose sin. And that sin corrupted. That sin spread. That sin was contagious like the worst of viruses. So 10 generations from Adam and Eve to Noah. And God is looking down on the earth, and he's seeing that man's every intention is evil. And he's seeing that the world is full of violence. And he regrets making us. He regrets creating with his voice. He regrets breathing life into dust to form man. He regrets creating woman out of man. He regrets. And so what's he going to do? He's going to show that he's just to judge us. He's fair to correct us. And so he calls Noah to build an ark and the animals two by two would come on that ark and Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives would enter onto this ark because one of the big takeaways last week was this. Our God knows how to rescue. And that even though judgment and correction and death is deserved because of sin, God chose to rescue. And we see the rescue of Noah and the ark and that God allowed them to live on that ark and they were on the ark for about a year. They disembarked and God gave them the promise that he would never judge again with a flood. He said that he wouldn't judge with a flood, but he never said he wouldn't judge again because our God is still just to judge. 
Our God is still holy in his opinion. He has one on everything. And he's still just to judge fairly. But God also always provides a way of escape. There's going to come a day when God will not judge with fire, not judge with water, but will judge with fire. And he's going to rescue you from that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Like he rescued Noah with the ark, he's going to rescue you because you believed in Jesus Christ. He will judge again, but not with water and the rainbow's proof. Today, we fast forward 10 generations. Uh, for the millennials, we skip 10 generations. You, know, you guys know that millennials don't know what fast forward is, right? They skip. They don't fast forward. And I'm not like talking skipping like you did in the 50s. I'm talking skipping with their finger. Millennials don't skip with their feet anymore. I'm in a mood. Can you tell? It's going to be fun. So we skip ahead. We fast forward. We go to the story of Abram and his wife. And we're going to learn the story of Abraham, who would become Abraham. And we're going to learn how you and I can say yes to God. And the difference it makes when we learn to say yes to God quickly. And the difference it makes when we learn to say yes to God completely. And the difference it makes when we say yes to God, even when it's hard. So we're going to learn today from what many call the father of our faith. So from 10 generations from creation, we ended at Noah. Ten generations later, we're in Genesis chapter 12. Here's what the Bible says. And if you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We've got it on the screens, and you can follow along with the bulletin that you received. You can also turn to the Bible app on your phone and find us there under events. But we turn in Genesis chapter 12. By the way, if you'd like a free Bible, we've got plenty. You can pick one up at your campus and grab a new believer's kit after the service. We'd love to give you a Bible. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 5. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to land that I will show you. So the story of Abram begins with God calling him to leave, to leave his father's household, to leave the land that they have, and to go where God would show him to go. So God, you want me to leave? Yep. God, where do you want me to go? I'll show you. You want me to leave before you show me? Yep. You want me to go before I know? Mm-hmm. This is where the story of Abraham begins. And listen to God's promise, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left out from Haran. Stop right there. He was 75 years old. How many of y'all, it's 75? I mean, we're projecting a few years out for some. We're looking in the rearview mirror for others. How many at 75 would say, you know what? If God told me to go, I'd pick up stakes and go. Even before he showed me where to go, I would go. I mean, at 75, I'm just hoping to still be going. And here God is calling Abram to leave it all. Take his family, take his household, take his stuff, and go where God tells him to go. How will I know when I'm there? I'll tell you. How will I know how to get there? 
You're going by faith. So what did he do? He took his wife, Sarai, the nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Cana, and they arrived there. As we see the call of Abram in Genesis chapter 12, what we see God doing is calling out a people for himself. I mean, let's see how the story of God's unfolding so far. God created, and man blew it up with sin. And so God came in and corrected. And you would think that 10 generations after God flooded the earth because of sin, you would think that the earth would be full of people that are honoring God and obeying God and depending upon God and trusting God and pleasing God, but it wasn't. So what does God do now? God calls out his people, and his people are going to come through one man, Abram. We would know him as Abraham in just a moment. So in Genesis 1, God created. In, in Genesis, as we read the story of Noah and the ark, we see in week 2 that God corrected. And now in week 3 of our origin series, we see that God chooses. He is calling out and choosing his people from among the nations. He's calling out and choosing his people to be holy and devoted, to be set apart for him. And he's calling the people through a man named Abraham, a 75-year-old with no kids. God, you're going to build a great nation? Choose a 75-year-old who has no kids. God, you're going to build a nation that every nation will be blessed through? Choose somebody who has a wife who's beyond her childbearing years. God, you just go ahead and choose. Well, that's how God chose. And when God chose Abram, he gave three promises. First of all, he promised land. This is why it's called the promise land. This is Israel today. God also promised descendants. He promised that Abraham, Abram would have a family and that they would become a nation. And you know what? The Jewish people are the people of this promise to Abraham. They are God's nation. And then get this. For those of us who have believed in Christ, we've been grafted in. We've been bought into. We've been adopted into God's family despite our sin because of what Jesus has done. That's really deep, but I want you to get this. Because the promise that God made to Abram, that he was calling a people to be holy and sanctified and to be his, we are grafted in. How many of y'all have a, like a, Lemon tree or orange tree in your backyard? Okay, raise them high. We need to be proud of our frozen lemon trees, please. <laughs> like many of us who have young lemon trees are concerned. Is that lemon tree going to grow back from the bitter root? Or is it going to grow back from above the graft so that after the freeze, two freezes this year, are we going to have lemons that are ever fruitful again? Well, you see, just like that lemon tree was grafted so it can produce fruit, we were grafted in by Christ to God's promise to Abram in this moment. God has called the church, called believers in Christ to be his holy, set-apart people. You say, Mike, you seem to know a lot about grafting. Well, let me tell you, my dad sold dirt for a living. We owned a nursery for a while. 
So all my science projects were about dirt and plants. I could do anything you wanted me to do on botany. We did the, the, how to propagate a rubber plant about 14 times through my school life. So when we see grafting, it's that agriculture. It's that picture of God planting us in his promise. So their promised land, their promised descendants, and their promised redemption and hope. Through you, all nations will be blessed. The Jewish people would look for a Messiah. We look and we know the Messiah, his name. He is Jesus Christ. The promise that God made to Abram and confirmed when he was Abraham is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the Redeemer. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And so this story of Abraham isn't a story of history of old, but it's a story that you and I can live today because of the promises God has made and always keeps his covenants. Abraham had a reputation. He was known for two things. He was known as being a man of faith, And he was known as being a friend of God. And so as we think about his life, let's look at what that means to be a man of faith and a friend of God. First one is this, and you can fill in the blank. Abraham was a man of faith. We read about this in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. What then shall we say about Abraham? The Apostle Paul is teaching on faith and works, and he says, what then shall we say about Abraham? And you're like, Mike, Genesis 12, he was Abram, now he's Abraham, what happened? Well, when God came and confirmed his covenant, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. You know what Abraham means? It means father of nations. You know how old Abraham was when he received the new name of being father of nations? He was 99 years old. So God promised when he was 75. God confirmed when he was 99 years old. Now, I don't know if they had a Guinness Book of World Records back then, but that a 99-year-old would be the father of a great nation. He doesn't have any kids. That's got to be some sort of record. But what do we learn from that? What shall we say then? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter. What did Abraham discover in the matter of faith and works? He was a man of faith. It says that he was our forefather in the flesh. Can, can, can we dive into the deep end for just a moment? I promise I'll be your lifeguard. If we get too deep, I'll pull us out, right? But I want you to get this. When it says that Abraham is our father by the flesh, not only is he the father of the Jewish nation, But when God made his covenant with Abraham, he gave him a sign of the flesh. It was the most fleshly of commitments to express, hey, I am a called out person of God. I'm a part of his nation. His his sign of the covenant. And, And I can only imagine how Abraham heard it the first time. Because the sign of the covenant was circumcision. Abraham's 99 years old. All the men in his household is a sign. If you want to show Abraham that you're God's person, this is what you do, God says. 
Abraham's like, but Noah got the rainbow, right? He was calling out and setting apart his people with a very personal sign. Is it that sign that makes you right with God? Is that religious act? Is that what makes you right with God? That's the question here that they're asking in Romans 4. In fact, the Bible says, if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So was it the act that saved him, or was it the faith that saved him? Let me tell you, time and time again, Scripture's consistent. We are saved We are made right. We are justified, not by what we do, but by what we believe. And even in this moment with Abraham as the forefather of our faith, it was about what he believed and not about what he did. And all the men said, amen. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And listen to this. Now to the one who works, Wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. Paul says there are some that still try and work for it. And their relationship with God, their religion, you might say, is not based on what they believe, but it's based on what they do. And that isn't credited to them as a gift. That isn't credited to them as something that is a privilege to have in their mind. You see, they see what they do with God as a got to, when what we're invited to by faith is a get to. We don't got to, we get to, because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Men and women, if you are living your religious life, your life before God because you got to, you're not receiving the gift he wants to give you because he wants you to get to live for him and honor him and walk with him. It's not a got to that we offer in Jesus Christ. It's a get to. Listen to how the Bible continues with this. Romans 4, 23, 25. Speaking of Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Funny thing here is the Apostle Paul is recounting Abraham's life, and he says that he didn't ever sway in his faith. But when he was 99 and God reinforced, confirmed that he would be the father of nations, Abraham laughed. And he even went his own way trying to see how he could produce a child to confirm God's blessing. He did some things that he shouldn't have. And yet, even in those moments, his faith was strengthened and he gave glory to God. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. In these words, it was credited to him. That's why I'm hitting this so hard. That's why Paul hit it so hard. These words, it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness 
for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You see, we need to understand that Abraham was a man of faith because you and I can be men and women of faith. We need to understand that it's Abraham's faith that made him right with God. Anytime you see the word justified, that means made right with God. Justification is a one-time experience where by faith, what does the Bible say here? We believe that Jesus died for our sins and was raised again from the dead. We do that once. And the Bible says that and that alone justifies you, makes you right with God. But that faith experience that we see lived out in Abraham's life wasn't just a one-time nod to God. It was a lifelong journey because he truly believed in the one who's faithful. He truly believed. The Bible said here that he was fully persuaded that God would keep his promises. As you think about your life, I want you to consider whether or not you've ever put your faith in Christ to give you life. That's a one-time decision. Second thing we know of Abraham is from his works with God. He wasn't saved by his works, but he did some amazing things for God because he believed God. And by his works, he was known, and you can fill in this second blank, he was known as a friend of God. Boy, who wouldn't want that reputation? Hey, how's Abraham doing? That friend of God. That's a phenomenal reputation. Wherever he went, whatever he did, he's a friend of God. James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Believer in Jesus Christ, we are saved by what we believe. We're justified. But we are sanctified, meaning set apart, meaning gaining the reputation of Christ-likeness. We are sanctified by what we do, based on what we believe. We are saved, justified by our faith. We are sanctified, set apart, based on what we do, based on how we believe. And this is deep stuff, right? I can tell it on your face. You are absolutely loving it. But I want you to get it. Because for you to be known as a friend of God, it means you take a step beyond just believing and you follow. It means you take a step beyond just believing and you obey. It means you take a step beyond just believing. And you honor him with your life. Some of us are God's kids, but we're not known as his friends. Because we need to step beyond and start obeying and depending and trusting and showing others God's love through us. So that brings us to the most important question of the day. We see that God called Abraham, and that because of his faith, he was a man of faith who was known as a friend of God. So that brings us to our most important question of the day. It's two words, so and what? If you've been with me the last couple weeks, you know what's going to happen on three. You're going to say, so what? 
At all campuses, I want to hear you. Internet campus, clear that phlegm and let it rip. So on three, let's hear it. One, two, three. So what, Mike? So what that God chose an old man to be a father of the nations? Mike, so what that God made an ancient promise that he would bless those that bless him and curse those that curse him? Mike, so what that Noah got the rainbow and Abraham got something altogether different? Mike, so what? Let me tell you this, so what? If we want to be men and women known as people of faith with a reputation of being a friend of God, we've got much to learn from Abraham. And the first thing is this. If we're going to have a reputation of godliness, building our life on faith, we must respond to God, and you can fill in this blank, we must respond to God with immediate obedience. How long did it take Abraham to say yes to God? He said yes to God immediately. God called and he went. God called and Abraham walked by faith. He accepted God's word and he acted on it. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see kind of a hall of fame for those of the faith. And we read about Noah last week in Hebrews 11, and now we can read about Abraham. Listen to this. It says that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham obeyed and went to the place that he would get later, even though he didn't know where he was going. Abraham lived his life, not by faith, or pardon me. You know, sometimes I just got to say bad preacher. Because he lived his life, not by sight, but by faith. The Apostle Paul challenges us to do the same thing. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we live by faith, not by sight. People that say yes to God immediately. They are building their life not on certainty, not on their plan, not on their desires, but on what they believe about the faithfulness of God. How many of us are, and let's just be honest, because everybody around you already knows the truth. How many of us struggle with living by faith? We like to live by certainty. Mm, I struggle. I'm with you. I like spreadsheets to tell me it's all going to work out. I like having people in place and family surroundings when it's all going to work out. I like having a plan. In fact, I already have a plan for where I'm going to eat lunch today. That's how much I like certainty. I don't want to, that's not a faith decision. That's a certainty decision. But the Bible here says, for us to say yes to God, we make our plans not based on what we see, but based on what we believe. We make decisions not based on what we see, but based on what we believe about him. Abraham showed us how to do it. The second thing we learned about being a man of faith uh, or a, a woman who has a reputation as being a friend of God is that we live as strangers. This one gets interesting. Abraham, when he got to the promised land, did he build a great palace? Did he build a great place for himself? I mean, he's going to be the father of nations, so let's make it happen. What did he do? 
Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11 says that he did. He lived like a stranger. Hebrews 11, 9 through 10. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. He got to the place God promised. And he lived like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, let's continue the journey. He believed and was justified before God. He followed and was sanctified before people. He had a reputation as being a friend of God. And Abraham's faith made him live like a stranger. He wasn't just looking to live today, but he was looking with an eye towards heaven. He was setting his mind on things above, as the New Testament tells us to do. Because there's coming a day, because you've been justified and because you're following God and been sanctified, there's coming a day when you're going to be glorified, the Bible says. That's when we go to heaven and all wrongs are made right. That's when he comes to rescue us and all wrongs are made right. And we receive an inheritance and rewards based on our obedience to him. There's coming a day when, like Abraham, we need to keep our eyes, and today is that day, not just here on earth, but in heaven, because we should live as aliens and strangers in the world. You ever have a moment as a believer where you look around at your neighbors and you go, am I any different than them? Is this relationship with God, this thing I believe, this foundation of my life, is it really making me any different than anybody else? From time to time, I'll take a look around and I'll go, I got some work to do. Because God hasn't called me to look just like my neighbor unless my neighbor's Jesus. Like this, this Christmas, we went to Dallas and we stayed at a hotel that had a phenomenal buffet. It was a breakfast buffet. So you know where I was every morning. I was eating my biscuits and gravy and my waffle and my eggs and my, my donuts and my, didn't have any fruit and uh, <laughs> bacon and sausage. Not, on the, not all on the same day. But yeah, it was. It was all on the same day. I'm not going to lie to you. And I began to look around. And this was a, a hotel where there were a lot of people, different races, different ethnic groups, different languages, but I began to look around the room, and I'm like, they're all sitting here with teenagers having breakfast together. And all the guys, no matter their race or language, they were all wearing the exact same clothes. We all had the same little sweatshirt with the three-quarter zip-up collar, right? We all sat there looking exactly the same. And I was like, do I look too much like my neighbor? Because I'm supposed to be living as a foreigner in an exile, Supposed to be living with an eye on heaven, and I sure look like everybody else around me. And as a believer, when you see that, you need to make sure you're doing the right business with God. I had another wake-up call this week on parts of my life. Um, did you guys see the health report on President Trump? Did you see that? He, he got a health report that, that, that when I saw it, I was like, oh, my goodness. If I'm unrestrained... I look a lot like the president of the United States. They say that he drinks 13 Diet Cokes a day. 
and he lives his life mainly on McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm liking him more and more every day. (laughs) And I thought to myself, unrestrained, I look a lot like him. 13 Diet Cokes is just getting started for me. I can do that before lunch. Unrestrained. And then they said that he's six foot three, 239 pounds. And if he's six foot three, 240, so am I. (laughs) Do you you ever get glimpses? You go, you know what? I got some work to do. See, because God has called us, He sanctified us, He set us apart to be different as His people. And for the record, if you vote for the president, you can pick on the president. I voted like this, but I still voted. <laughs> Ooh, that one's not going online. <laughs> you could email it, steve at parkwaychurch.tv. All right, let's finish this up. All joking aside, God has called us to be a people that live like strangers in this world. The church should not feel at home in America today. The church should feel like aliens and strangers and exiles in the world because we are called to a whole different worldview. Listen to what Peter said to the persecuted church in 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Friends, there are points in our lives where we should feel entirely uncomfortable to look at, to look like, to act like, and to make decisions like everybody else because God has called us to be his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his chosen people. And we should abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against our soul. Let me tell you, If the church of Jesus Christ would choose to live as foreigners and exiles in the world today, that's the ultimate immigration reform. If the church of Jesus Christ would make decisions based on their heavenly home to honor God instead of getting bogged down in earthly details, that's the ultimate immigration reform. Because we would change the world as God has called us to do it. So we must live like strangers. Last one. If we're going to be a person who is of faith and we're going to be a man or a woman who has a reputation of being a friend of God, then we must consider him faithful. The promise that God gave to Abraham took time to come to fruition. The promise that God gave to Abraham took decades to come to fruition. How do you wait on God You only wait on God if you are fully persuaded and you consider him faithful. Very quickly, Hebrews 11, 11 through 13. By faith, even Sarah, who was past a childbearing age, 
was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Abraham's faith was lived in his family. And Sarah, she believed God. She considered him faithful. What was impossible with nature was possible with God because she considered him faithful. And what's the results? And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Those are the ancient saints, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. There is a power in faith that makes the impossible possible. That's why we count on God's word and we consider him faithful. That's why we say yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God, because we consider him faithful. I invite you today, no matter what you're facing, because I know we come in many different worlds and many different challenges and issues, but we all can say, he is faithful. No matter how long you wait, you want to wait and honor God, consider him faithful. You want to wait and abstain from sinful desires? Consider him faithful. You want to wait and live like a foreigner or an exile in this world? Consider him faithful. See, Abraham, he didn't build his life on his own faithfulness. That doesn't work. But when you build your life on God's faithfulness, that's a whole new story. Men and women of faith, we're friends of God. The invitation is open for us all. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open our Bibles today and to learn. And God, I pray that you would help us as a church to be men and women, families of faith, that we would be people who say yes to you immediately. We would stay in step with your spirit and obey you and depend upon you. God, I pray that not only would we respond immediately, but God, we would live as strangers and exiles. God, help us to be different, not odd, but unique. God, help us to be salt and light in the world because we believe in you. And God, help us as we wait and we trust and we depend upon you. Help us to never forget your faithfulness. Lord, we consider you faithful. And we join the saints of old and thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we see what they didn't see. We see Jesus. And we thank you for him. If you never believed in Christ, I invite you today to consider it. Will you make today your day to be made right with God? It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Christ has done. So if today's your day, let's mark it with the prayer. Let's mark this moment of your belief with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 